Dear Asian Girl, For Asian Girls, By Asian Girls. Hey everyone, today we have our guest Claire Yu. Um, she is a mental health advocate um, for Asian, the Asian American community. And today we're going to be talking about mental health during college application season, and also just mental health in the Asian American community in general. Um, so Claire, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, for sure. Hi guys, I'm Claire. Um, I use she, her, hers pronouns. I'm 19 years old, apparently, because like I think time passes by super weirdly, <laughs> especially during this like six to nine month like quarantine period. Um, and I'm currently a freshman in college. So basically I've been doing this online Zoom, like classes and everything like that. And then hopefully next quarter, um, I will be able to go on campus, but I think a lot of the stuff is still up in the air. And like, you know, I feel like they might bail on us in the last minute and be like, you know, just stay home. Um, as for like mental health work, I think that um, some of the groups that I've been involved in include the Asian Mental Health Project, the Asian Mental Health Collective, and those two are very, like, they have very similar names, like, three out of four words, three out of four words are, like, literally the same, but they're vastly different groups. One is sort of run by, like, a single woman, and another one is run by a collective, hence the name, like, collective. Um, and then I'm also a part of Mental Health America, and that's just like a huge organization. Like it's not really like Asian American centered at all. It's more just like a huge conglomerate of different people with various different backgrounds sort of coming together and trying to destigmatize mental health. And it has like a very rich history. Um, like you can date it back to like 19 something something where like none of us were even alive. So like, I feel like there's very different types of mental health advocacy out there. And it's really cool to be able to see like the different types of people that are involved in those different professions, as well as sort of the approaches that they take and the approaches that they don't take, if that makes sense. Um, do you want me to talk more about anything or is yeah, this- Yeah, no, I think it was really interesting how you mentioned like how there are different aspects of mental health that you can advocate on. Like, do you want to elaborate more on that? Yeah, um, so I think, for example, Mental Health America, like if you look at their website, they've got like a lot of things out there so they've got like different statistics and they have like a youth page for example and then they have like lgbtq plus things and they have like different like you could say like for example bipoc mental health month they have a whole thing on that um and then even if you just visit their website for the first time on the top they have this like disclaimer about racism and mental health which is another thing that you can talk about right all day long right um so one of the things that they do is like policy work so like lobbying um, and that's stuff like I'm not really familiar with, but that's something that I think they focus a lot on because they had one of their um, like directors of policy work or advocacy come in and like speak to us and talk about a lot of the work they were doing. And it seems like they're doing a lot of work. So there's that aspect. And then I guess like with like the Asian Mental Health Collective slash project, those are more just kind of like creating resources and making sure that those resources are accessible to people who speak different languages. Um, because like if you go online and like Google a bunch of stuff, like you can find a lot of um, like 
brochures and like things that are marketed towards, for example, the Chinese American community, the Korean American community, you can find all that. Um, but it's just that they're not very accessible. Like you have to dig a lot. And uh, most people don't really have the time to dig. So basically these kinds of groups are just trying to bring those things to the surface and be like, hey, these are out there, right? You know, like we put them together here in this website for you. So that way you don't have to do all the digging on your own because we realize that you have your own things to do, right? Um, so there's that aspect and like, I don't know, it's just like, it's very weird because I think that a lot of this stuff is very like patchworky. So like, you'll be working on one thing and then you'll be working on another thing and then you'll be like, what's the next thing for me? Like, it's not very linear in the sense of like, I'm at point A, I want point Z to happen and I'm just gonna do all these steps. And if I do all these steps, like it's very formulaic, I will achieve point Z, right? And for point Z, I would say that's just like, you know, making sure that the barriers are broken and like, um, like more people are getting the help they need, right? But like, you can't really measure that that much. And like you as a single person, like there's no way for you to like scale or like put a number to like, you know, how much impact you've made, if any. So I think like, it's just, it's it's like very messy. I don't know. I feel like you have to like go into it and then like figure out what you want to do and then come out and then like try to explain it to someone else and you'll find yourself like unable to really explain it, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, what were your um, like personal inspirations for getting into mental health advocacy? And like, how have your experiences as an Asian American girl um, shaped your like personal experiences with mental health and why you're passionate about advocating for mental health? Yeah, um, I mean, I would say like my personal experience is more sort of like um, like a very long-term um, thing that's been happening. So like since middle school, I think there were some, you know, symptoms, right? I'm not going to go into too much because I feel like that might be too TMI or like trigger warning or whatever. Um, but I remember that I would always like sort of push it down or suppress it because um, I had a really close friend, that, um, but she wasn't Asian, she was white, right? And so we always had this like cultural disconnect. Like we were all, like we were very similar people, but there was obviously like a difference in like culture. And like when I went to her house, I noticed things that, you know, would not fly at my house at all, if that makes sense. Um, and so because she was so open about her mental health, I was like, oh my gosh, like this is amazing. I, I'm so fortunate to be friends with someone who is willing to talk about these issues with me, right? But something that I sort of made, like a judgment that I made that was like on sort of like my part that was like a bad judgment was that I noticed that she was one, open about her mental health, but two, had really bad grades. And me as middle school, like overachieving Asian, I was like, oh, wait, so those two are causation, right? Like, it's not just correlation. It's that that must be like a thing, right? So like, oh, if you're open about your mental health, you must have bad grades. And I was like, I cannot have bad grades. So like, I just some somewhere in that I fell into that fallacy and I was like, you know, if I, you know, talk about like my problems, right? And if I'm over emotional and vulnerable and all these like bad words that are associated with mental health, then I must be like a bad student. Like I'm going to start, you know, getting bad grades and then like I won't be successful and I won't fit the narrow, like the narrow stereotype of what a successful Asian American student is supposed to look like, right? And so I was like, you know, I'm not about that. So I'm not going to do that. <laughs> uh, so through middle school, like I was just kind of like, you know, me, I'm emotionally stable. Like, you know, like I, you look at me like there's nothing going on you know so middle school is like that and then high school it got better I would say like I kind of peaked in middle school but like not peaked in a good way but like peaked in a bad way in middle school I think high school was, was a little better because I feel like um the thing with like I think mental health in general is 
if you have a lot of time to yourself, meaning you have a t- you have a lot of time to sort of like laze around and just like sit in your thoughts, I think that's when the danger kind of walks in, um, and you sort of invite these like negative thoughts, right? And so you kind of spiral when you're by yourself and there's no one around you. But in high school, because you're surrounded by so many opportunities, good and bad, and because you're constantly occupied, I think we can all agree we had more homework in high school than in middle school, right? So like you constantly are occupied by homework, like clubs, you know, like you gotta like talk to people, you gotta eat lunch, you gotta zoom from like one end of the staircase to another. Um, I think that it didn't really leave a lot of room for like you know, negative thoughts and me sitting alone and like thinking about things that I shouldn't be thinking about, right? So I think in high school, I kind of put that to the side. I think it was still there and it still resurfaced um, every once in a while. Like sometimes I'd have like these, like, I don't know if you call them like attacks or like, I don't know, I would just say like these little like peaks, right? Um, But it would come and it would go and it didn't really, thankfully, it didn't really take away from like me being able to focus in school and stuff like that. Um, but then like after I think December senior year, I felt this like weight lift off of my chest. I was like, I felt like I had all these things that I wanted to talk about, but I couldn't because I felt very self-conscious about the way that I was perceived by other people. Um, and I thought that if I, again, like my middle school fallacy, like if I kept talking about this mental health thing while everyone else was, you know, doing their thing and like getting good grades and like being really successful, I felt like I was just inviting like all these like negative perceptions of me of of, like, oh, like all she does is like complain about like her mental health. All she does is like be emotionally vulnerable and she's not out there achieving things, right? And so after December, I was like, well, I feel like I've already achieved, like objectively achieved something. So now if I put that to the side, I can talk about mental health all day long. And that won't take away from my objective achievements because they're there, like you can look at them, right? So after that, there was December and then there was like, you know, the pandemic. And because of the pandemic, um, I was able to like, you know, start emailing people. So like the Asian Mental Health Collective project. And I started just emailing like random, like groups on the internet that I found. And then I started to like interview like with them and call them. And so like, that's when like, all the mental health work started. So like, I didn't do anything really in like most of high school. Like I was just kind of, I was just kind of vibing, but uh, um, I would say like, it's very like, in general, I would summarize everything to be sort of like, you know, plateauing. And then like, suddenly it's a spike in the, in like the summer because I had so much time. Um, I don't know if that makes sense, but that's yeah. kind of like, yeah. I mean, something that stuck out to me was how you talked about when you were suppressing it during high school. Maybe not suppressing, but like there wasn't any room for you know, to like really be surfaced 100% of the time due to, you know, all the crazy things going on. Like that didn't necessarily get rid of it, which I think a lot of people need to know, you know, like not acknowledging it isn't going to do anything better. And I was just wondering, in addition to your story about like your friend getting the bad grades and therefore associating it with, you know, bad mental health and then failure, did perhaps like the way your family handled mental health or like your school man handled mental health, like did that have any effects on your views of it? Yeah, for sure. So senior year, I forgot to mention this because like I feel like a lot happened in high school, but like I just forget it all. Um, but senior year of high school, I had the opportunity to be like an ambassador for my school. So basically like my district has two high schools. So I was the one for my school and then there's my like sister school. And basically we would just go to like meetings and it was like really fun. We would just like sit there in like a big comfy chair and we'd have water and we just listen to like the board meetings talk about like, the, I don't know what they were talking about. Um, but in addition to just listening to them, um, you can also ask questions. And so one time they had a presentation about mental health. And of course, you know, I was like, like I looked at the notes beforehand because they have like the board notes of like what they're going to discuss every Monday or whatever. 
And I remember looking at it, I was like, oh, this is bad. Like this, whatever they're proposing, like that's bad. Um, and so what they were proposing was this screening process that I think is very like highly invasive. So what they would do is they would have like every kid or something like fill out a survey. And if you answer yes to any of the questions, for example, like, do you feel sad or like isolated? And if you answer yes, they'll send someone like to your, they'll literally like take you out of your classroom and like sit you down with some like dean in the social services office and they'll have a conversation with you and then they'll call your parents to like notify them. Um, and so like there's positive and negative aspects to that. I talked to a board member, his son actually filled out yes to one of the questions. Um, and he felt that it was a good thing that the school notified him as a parent because he never had a conversation with his son about mental health and that allowed him to have that conversation. And they also happened to be Chinese Americans. So like, I felt very like, it was like a very warm moment. I was like, okay, like this guy who's never really talked about it with his son is now talking about it because of this program, right? But on the other hand, I collected some stories from um, people in my school and they were like this is so invasive like they send you to like some people were saying they send you to like the like the not hospital I would say like it's like a like a like a, like a facility I would say it's kind of a hospital like, mm -hmm. like a center I don't know if that makes sense yeah. Um, yeah they would send you there and like sometimes they would like you know they would like role play with you afterwards and like like tell you how to reintegrate yourself back into school like if someone asks you what happens what happened to you? Why were you gone for three weeks? What do you say, right? So like, there was like a lot of like weird things going on with that program. So I remember I was like asking questions about it and like the way that the the doctor, like her name was, I still remember her name. Her name was Dr. Christina Igo. The way that she like answered my questions was like very vague. Like she kept saying like, oh, we're just trying to like, you know, you know, from our end, we're trying to like make this better, like, and stuff like that. She kept saying really vague things. And I kept asking like, what like what? I was just like genuinely really confused right and so like I think that moment kind of like sort of uncapped a lot of the mental health issues that a lot of students face and through that moment I was able to learn more about one like stuff that I didn't know about, about like that center like you know where students like are apparently in there in there for like a couple weeks and they have to like reintegrate themselves back into school um and just like that whole like the like lack of I guess like effective screening processes. Like if you're gonna screen someone, I feel like you shouldn't push them into a corner, right? Um, and then they obviously they have like the outdated videos that no one really takes seriously, um, just a whole bunch of things. And I definitely was not able to find a solution. Like I know um, one of the people that, I'm, that is also a student that is part of like the Mental Health America Council program, like he actually, you know, developed something um, to sort of counteract what the school was doing. And they actually went to board meetings and they changed something, right? Um, nothing changed at my school, um, but I don't know. It was just like very eye-opening just to see that happening because I didn't know it was happening in the first place. Um, so that's like with my school. So basically my district's D203 and there's a D204, which is like other schools, but it's like very similar to our school. It just really brought to the surface a lot of the um, negative, like, like negative things that happen in the middle school level with kids, um, especially in the Asian American community, because basically she was in this program called PI plus, which is this very rigorous academic program. And they put people in like this, basically there's this, there's the middle school, right? But then they put them in like a trailer, like a, like a, like a separate, like 
building, you know, so they're all like, you know, very tight knit group, right? And it has its pros and its cons, like you're with like this same group of people for multiple years, and you really get to know them, and you have a really tight bond with them, right? But on the other hand, if you're with people that are kind of toxic, like you don't have any exit, right? And so a lot of people brought up the fact that this girl, like she, um, when she tried to like call out for help in those like group texts with her classmates, they all like kind of laughed at her and didn't really take it seriously. Um, and it's not really saying like, oh, the blame is on like other kids. But I think that because most of those kids were like white slash Asian, because that's sort of like, you know, if you look at demographically, like all the like honor classes, like they're always like majority white Asian. Um, I think there's just like a lack of sensitivity to mental health issues. And like, you can pinpoint that back to the parents and you can say like, well, why don't the parents teach the kids to be more sensitive to each other, right? Um, so like, I think there's like a huge, like, like there's a large like amount of issues that need to be addressed. One is like, how do you teach your kids to be sensitive? Two is like, how do you even approach these topics with your kids? For example, the um, girl who was a junior, I talked to one of her friends who visited um, her grave and he was like going on about how like she was like the least likely to out of his friend group like she just seemed like she was super happy like she played tennis like she was just always like super like bubbly and stuff like that um and so I think I don't know there's just so many issues with like the family like it's hard to even like pinpoint a place to like start at if that makes sense um but I think also other um like ethnic groups also have very similar problems um like the idea that mental health issues don't really exist or like the idea of like sort of abandoning someone that in your family that has mental health issues because you don't want to like like destroy your reputation or something like that um so yeah I don't know if that made sense but that's yeah, just kind no. of as like an Indian girl myself I feel like the culture is very much by association you can't be associated with mental health because it's time you know like you said weakness or like it's something to be shunned you know like there's so many examples of that that like you know it's hard to pinpoint like you said but in terms of like academics and college since that's something you want to bring up I feel like with college again like there's so much academic pressure with that and it, like of course it will affect your mental health and like it's such a cutthroat thing especially for Asian Americans or Asians in general because model minority myth which parents project on us you know we have to like obtain to those standards even though they may not understand the pressures of it like that I don't the group you just told me about like I don't know if the parents were very like aware of the stress in that scenario because like to be in a group chat and like open up about your personal struggles which you may have like been very insecure about because you know it's considered a sign of weakness and then be laughed at and mocked like that's a very hard thing to come back from you know and I was just wondering like how do you sort of navigate the way you know like as an Asian girl like how do you how what advice would you give for like how to navigate the insensitivity of it um I mean I think age is a thing because like she's 12 so like I think, you know, like for us, like maybe if we, for example, we're in a group chat and someone says something and we don't like it, like, I think we might have that, like, we might have enough self-confidence or awareness to be like brushing it off very quickly or to be like, you know, I'm just going to exit the group chat. Cause like, you know, we're not really bound by, you know, the whole idea of like, oh, you can only talk to these people because they're in your class. Right. You know, we probably have different connections. Like if we don't like people in our, you know, English class, we can go to like your math class. If we don't even like people in our high school, go to like, you know, a different club that like is inter high school and you can talk to other people from other high schools. Right. So I think like with age comes more like maturity, I think not always, but most of the time. Um, and so I can't really speak to how like 12 year olds can navigate this because I think that they shouldn't be expected to in the first place. 
I think that there should like obviously the expectation is like that environment should have been better for her um but I mean I think also I don't know if like the parents can step in or something like that um because like I don't know like I, w- I don't want to say like the parents should be on their kids phones and like know that yeah but I feel like the parents should know that's happening if that makes sense but in a way that's not invasive you know because like you don't want parents to be like 24 7 checking their kids like text messages and not letting them have any privacy um but I would say in general with like teens like navigating like difficult situations where it's like other teens are like the issue um I think like always trying to find an exit is like the first like piece of advice because like it's kind of like like in a like a physical situation right when when you do like a fire drill or something it's like always try to find the exit like where's the exit like it's right there like if you're on a plane like where's the exit right so like if you like try to find like the nearest exit like physically and both mentally like that would be great um and also like it's sort of like like you can't heal in the same place you were hurt you know like yeah yeah Mm -hmm. yeah totally and like I guess like um, something that stuck out to me was like this one doctor she um, gave like a sort of a talk during a panel thing and what she said was like establishing connections would be great like it doesn't even have to be a person like if you feel like if you genuinely feel like the people nearest to you are not people that you can fully trust and fully form a connection with that's okay like maybe find something to do or like you know it could be like that one class that you just really like or like maybe this one teacher that you've all to about their passions or like even this one hobby that you like, which I know it sounds really cliche, like the whole quarantine, like, oh, get a hobby, you know, like hobby, hobby, right? But it's, I think just like even that one minuscule connection, like that one show that you really like, that one podcast that you really like, I think even that small thing, which sounds so trivial because it probably is something that you do maybe once a week or something, like I think it's better than nothing. So like even if you're 12, 10, 14, 18, like if you can find one thing that you can sort of anchor yourself to, I think that's a really good place to start. So that way, when you do find yourselves in toxic situations that you can't really remove yourself from, you can at least sort of, you know, turn your head and do something else. You know, I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, have like something to fall back on. Yeah. Yeah. So going back to what Nina said about like how there's specific Asian American stressors in terms of mental health, like the model minority myth. Um, I know that a lot of high schoolers, Asian American high schoolers, including myself, like we obviously have a lot of pressure from our family um, to do well academically, but then at the same time, we aren't able to talk about mental health with our family either. Um, And they, again, like Claire said earlier, they act like mental health doesn't exist. Um, So I I was kind of like wondering, as a current senior going through the college application process, which is an extremely stressful thing on itself, um, but I was wondering, was there anything specific to like, um, specific like Asian American stressors um, that affected your mindset while you were applying to colleges, if that makes sense, like um, specific pressure from maybe like your family or from just like the Asian American community in general? Um, actually, I feel like I might not be the best person to ask because I feel like I'm not very close with the Asian American community in my community, which sounds kind of backwards. I feel like I should be, but um, 
I'll talk about like two parts. So, like one is my family and one is like the community, I guess. So my family, like they don't really have like, they're not like, oh, I expect you to like do this. Like I expect you to get into a certain school. Like I think they didn't, they were like, you know, just go wherever, um, which I know sounds a little weird, but um, like they kind of were the ones that were like, I wanted to do this and they were like yeah just nah, nah, you know so that kind of that kind of like was sort of a reverse psychology for me because I was like you know if they want me to do this like I'm gonna do this because like you know reverse psychology like, I'm gonna prove them wrong or whatever um so like on my family's end I think like they were mostly they played a more like passive role if that makes sense like um they never like I know some people they said like oh their parents like read their essays or something like they never read my essays like I like they never really like did any of that in terms of like trying to like steer me in sort of one direction or another they just sort of supported like whatever decision I wanted to make um and they would sometimes be like oh I think you're able too high but I was like you know like I got I got choices man I got choices so like I think my parents were kind of a positive part of that I would say which I know probably isn't what you're looking for because I know like other parents are probably not um, and they're probably like the ones that are trying to control or steer their kids into one direction or another. But at least for me personally, like they were kind of chill about it, I guess. Um, and for the community though, I would say um, because I wasn't very close to the community, like I didn't really talk about it at all. Like, like I know um, a lot of people, like I, I heard this like afterwards, but like some, some like kid in my school, like I don't even know him, like, uh, like I know him like I know his name and I know he's like Chinese but like I don't really talk I, I don't think I've talked to him at all but apparently his mom was like talking to someone else's mom and he, they were like oh like um like your son shouldn't apply to like um this school because my son is applying to this school and this school only accepts one person <laughs> or something like that and I remember hearing that and I thought it was really funny because that was the school that I applied to and I was like it was like that third wheel, like, oh, okay, never mind. It was kind of funny, but I think it's just like, because I wasn't part of that dialogue, like I wasn't even part of that picture, right? Um, I felt like I, 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 I didn't really experience any like stress and because like, I didn't tell anyone anything. Like I was just kind of like doing my own thing. So I don't feel like I felt any of that, but I do think like in general, I think there is like a reputation problem that people, often put too much value onto what school you go to. Um, and I think that that's something that needs to be fixed ASAP um, because it's not really definite, like it doesn't really matter at the end. Like, um, like I think, I don't know. I, th I think it's also an economic thing. I think a lot of these kids are kind of like wealthy. So like, it doesn't really matter like where they go. I don't know if that makes sense, but I think that in general, the biggest issue I think is like sometimes people place too much value on the name of the school um, and that can sort of cloud their vision. Um, but I would say like if families can take a more hands-off approach in general when it comes to navigating these processes, I think that would be best because I think one, the kids need to learn independence. So like learning to fill out certain forms, learning to like do all these things like manually, right? But also like, figuring out what, what's best for them, like, you know, calling different schools, emailing them, like, figuring out what programs work best, like, figuring out, like, you know, financially what works best, and, like, 
um, for example, like I had to write like an appeal form because I didn't get enough money or something. And like, that's something that I had to do like myself because like my parents don't write really well, like, cause like second language, you know? So like, I think like, just like the whole process I feel like is a, is a way for kids to like actually do something for themselves, especially if they come from a culture where things are normally done for them or like they don't really exhibit a lot of independence. Um, so I think, I don't know if that makes sense, but I feel like giving kids more independence when it comes to navigating this process is like really good. And I think that's something that I think more parents should consider doing, but I don't know if I answered your question. So I don't know. Really good. Um, so I thought it was really interesting how you were talking about like your parents' views on like, um, like mental health in general, but also like college application, school, whatever. Um, so I was wondering like, are your parents more, progressive on issues like mental health and did that shape the way that you view mental health currently or um well okay so my parents are conservative um like they're conservative but I don't know like I would say that it's definitely changed because of the conversations that I've had with them like like I think I talked to them for like two hours about something and like I don't think they changed their mind about it like I think that it's like it's like little by little if that makes like it's like baby steps I think when the older you get I feel like the more it's hard for you to change like drastically like for me like you know who I was last week like that's not me anymore like I changed so quickly and I think it's because I'm like really young right but I think for them it's like because they come from a very like like very intense history of like moving places and like experiencing the cultural revolution and you know all these like sorts of things i think in comparison like me trying to change their mind is talking to a wall that's been shaped for like you know decades right um so i would say like i don't think they're really progressive but i would say that um like they, I think their idea of mental health is like, it's something that you can control, which is like kind of false, right? It's not really something like it, it kind of like it kind of is and it kind of isn't. It depends on the severity, right? Like, you know, if you're having a tantrum or something, like maybe you can control that. And emotional regulation is something that, you know, therapists want, want, wants to, want people to like follow, right? But I think at a certain point, it's sort of out of your hands, right? So I think, I don't know. I think they're pretty conservative, but I think fortunately, like, my struggles don't really impede on what I want to do so I feel like I'm fortunate in the sense that their views don't really put a limit on like what I'm able to do to end on like a mental health note since like we're gonna wrap up just like dealing with you know all of those you know like expectations all these you know wants needs and like desires of you know getting to college and like you know getting from there and getting to there and you know having that like moment where you know you're like at a cross between burning out and like, you know, keeping going like you, that story with your dad and like his whole perspective, just like in general, like navigating the mental health, like what would you say to people in high school or like people who are in your position, you know, like dealing with online school too in college, like what would you say as advice to them or like, what do you want them to know, you know, and like how to deal with this like mentally? First, like if you have that, like if you're able to like try to zoom out, like, you know how when you're on Google maps and you're trying to find someone's house or something, like you're trying to like find where to go or something, like you can zoom out, then you can zoom out to like Illinois and then you can zoom out to the US, then you can zoom out to like the North America and then you can zoom out into the entire globe, right? Like try to do that with your own like self because I think sometimes we can all get too caught up in like that one class. And to be honest, like 
you know, for example, like I failed my math, like, like some math thing in my high school. And like, I don't remember that anymore. Right. Like I do remember it, but I don't, it doesn't matter anymore. Right. And so I think like, sometimes we can get too overwhelmed in one class and we can think that one class shapes our entire lives when it's just another like fragment of dust in our entire, like, you know, galaxy of whatever's to come, if that makes sense. So like just being able to zoom out and being like, you know, what's the worst that can happen? I fail this class where like, you know, I get a, a D or a C or whatever. Right. And then I'll still, you know, be able to retake it. I'll be able to do this. I'll be able to do that. Right. So like zoom out if you can. Getting out of your own head, you know, broadening your horizons and like perspectives of things. And that's a really easy, but like, you know, not necessarily a common fix that people can like implement into their lives to like improve it. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. Yeah. I think that's, that was all I was going to say. Just kind of like that. Idea. Yeah, for sure.